Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning. My name is Valerie and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to CT Reach Q3 2020 Earnings Results Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during that time, simply press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. The speakers on the call today are Ken Silver, Chief Executive Officer of CT REIT, Leslie Gibson, Chief Financial Officer of CT REIT, and Kevin Salzberg, Chief Operating Officer of CT REIT. Today's discussion may include forward-looking statements. Such statements are based on management's assumptions and beliefs. These forward-looking statements are subject to uncertainties and other factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from such statements. Please see CT Reads the public filings for a discussion of these risk factors, which are included in their 2019 MDNA in AIF, which can be found on CT Reads website and on CDAR. I will now turn the call over to Ken Silver. Ken? Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. Thank you all for joining us for CT Reads third quarter 2020 investor conference call. As the pandemic has unfolded, each quarter of 2020 has had a somewhat different focus. At the end of Q1, the priorities were crisis management, focusing on the health and safety of our employees, tenants, their employees and customers, and on preserving liquidity. In Q2, the focus shifted to the financial health of our relatively small portfolio of ancillary and non-essential retail tenants working with them to manage through the crisis and in preparing to participate in the CRA program. With continued high occupancy and rent collections, the resilience of our business model shone through in the quarter and was recognized by our board who declared a distribution increase which took effect in September. In Q3, our focus has once again returned to building for the future while managing the pandemic-related issues in the present. We are delighted to announce a number of new investments marking a return to our growth strategy. These new investments are consistent with what we have been pursuing since day one. Low-risk net leases with strong covenants while leveraging our relationship with Canadian Tire to acquire well-located and highly desirable locations within their markets. We are confident these kinds of assets will stand the test of time both in the short term in the face of the ongoing pandemic and in the longer term. With that, I'll turn things over to Kevin and Leslie to discuss our Q3 results in more detail. Uh, Thanks, Ken, and good morning. Uh, As outlined in yesterday's press release, in the third quarter, CT Re completed the vending of a Canadian Tire Store and Canadian Tire Gas Plus Gas Bar in Napanee, Ontario. Subsequent to the quarter, the REIT acquired a property consisting of two single-tenant buildings leased to Marks and Tim Hortons from a third party in Yellowknife Northwest Territories. Additionally, 
we announced that we will be acquiring three Canadian tire stores from a third party. These properties are located in Drayton Valley and Leduc, Alberta, as well as Saint-Jean-sur-Richelieu, Quebec. As noted in our release, this new investment is anticipated to close in the fourth quarter and remains subject to customary closing conditions. We are very pleased to be resuming our investment activities based on the strength and resiliency of our business model, and these newly announced acquisitions will be a great complement to our existing portfolio of Canadian tire properties and third-party net-leased assets. In total, CT REIT will be spending approximately $77 million on these newly announced investments, and when completed, they will add 311,000 square feet of gross leasable area to the portfolio. They are expected in aggregate to earn a weighted average cap rate of 6.58%. At the end of the third quarter, CT REIT had 15 properties that were at various stages of development. These projects represent a total committed investment of approximately $187 million, $70.5 million of which has been spent to date, and $48 million of which we anticipate will be spent in the next 12 months. Upon completion, these projects will add a total incremental gross leasable area of 785,000 square feet to the portfolio, nearly 94% of which has been pre-leased. As at September 30, 2020, CT REIT's occupancy rate was 98.8%, in line with last year's Q3 rate, but down slightly from Q2 2020, reflecting the end of a short-term tenancy in a portion of our 11 Dufferin Place Southeast property in Calgary, Alberta. Lastly, with respect to the impact of COVID-19 on our property operations, tenants representing approximately 99.1% of annual base minimum rent fulfilled their October financial obligations to the REIT, compared to 99% for September and August, and 98.5% for July. The REIT continued to work with tenants whose businesses were negatively affected by the pandemic, including by continuing to participate in the secret program for approximately 50 of our tenants in the third quarter. I should also note that subsequent to the quarter end, the federal government announced a new rent relief program, the Canada Emergency Rent Subsidy, or SERS, to replace the SECRA program. Similar to SECRA, SERS is applicable for small and medium-sized businesses significantly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. SERS is effective retroactively for the period beginning September 27, 2020, and will be provided directly to tenants on a sliding scale up to a maximum of 65% of eligible expenses. In addition to the 65% subsidy, a top-up of 25% is available to tenants who are temporarily shut down by a mandatory public health order issued by a qualifying public health authority. We are hopeful that this new program will assist tenants in need of and hence support property owners by ensuring the timely payment of rental obligations via SERS subsidized amounts. With that, I will turn it over to Leslie for a review of our financial results. Thanks, Kevin, and good morning, everyone. Our Q3 2020 results continue to be sound despite the headwinds of the pandemic. We've reported a diluted AFFO per unit of 26.2 cents, a slight increase compared to 26.1 cents per unit in Q3 of 2019. Reported FFO per unit decreased 1.6% to 29.9 cents versus 30.4 cents. Net operating income increased 1.2 million or 1.2% in the current quarter compared to Q3 of 2019. The primary contributor for the increase in the NOI growth was the acquisition of income-producing properties and properties under development completed in 2020 and 2019, which contributed approximately 1.2 million. Same-store NOI 
slightly decreased by 700,000 or 0.8% in Q3 2020 compared to Q3 to Q3 in 2019, while same property NOI remained relatively flat compared to the prior year. There were several factors impacting these variances. Contractual rent escalations, which contributed nearly 1.7 million to same-store NOI growth, which includes the 1.5% on average contained within the Canadian Tire Store leases. This was offset by the expected credit losses for tenants who were significantly impacted by the pandemic, including the bad debt expense related to the rental abatements and rent relief under the SECRA program, which decreased NOI by approximately $800,000, as well as a decrease of $600,000 related to vacancies and lower parking revenues. In addition, the proceeds of about $850,000 received in Q3 2019 from the assignment of the REIT's interest and claim against a former tenant under Companies Creditor Arrangement Act negatively impacted same-store NOI growth in Q3 2020. Excluding this lump sum payment received in 2019, NOI would have increased 2.2% quarter over quarter and same-store NOI would have increased 0.1%. For the quarter, GNA as a percent of property revenue, excluding fair value adjustments, amounted to 2.1%, slightly less than the 2.2% for Q3 in the prior year. The improvement reflects elevated spend in 2019 associated with the implementation of the new ERP system. Moving over to liquidity and our financial condition for the quarter, the interest coverage ratio increased to 3.6 times compared to 3.45 times for Q3 of the prior year. The increase in the interest coverage ratio is due to both a decrease in the interest expense and an increase in the NOI in the current quarter compared to Q3 2019. Our balance sheet continues to be strong. With a conservative 76.8% year-to-date AFFO payout ratio and a low debt-to-gross book value of 42.2% and approximately $331 million available through our committed credit facilities and cash on hand. CT REIT's assets with an IRFRS value of approximately $6 billion are 97% unencumbered. In addition, as at September 30, 2020, the book value per unit was $14.75, which is slightly higher than our 2019 year-end value of $14.61 and the Q2 2020 value of $14.57, as net income exceeded distributions. Included in our net income in Q3, was a $4.3 million fair value decrease, which brings our year-to-date fair value decrease to $33.5 million. The decrease in the fair value adjustment on investment properties is primarily due to the updated inputs and assumptions in the property appraisal models reflecting the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the REITs portfolio. We continue to monitor the market for data points related to similar essential needs net lease retail assets. And with that, I'll turn things back to you, Ken. Thank you, Leslie. I know it's a busy time for many of our listeners, so I'll turn the call back to the operator for any questions. Thank you. At this time, I would like to remind everyone in order to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Our first question is from Sam Damiani with TG Securities. Please go ahead. Thank you, and good morning, everyone. Um, this is a question for either, either Ken or Leslie. Just on the IFRS, um, you know, you're, you're buying some arguably tertiary market uh, Canadian tire stores. 
we don't know what the Walt was, but um, you know that's around a six and a half cap rate, and your overall IFRS is around six point two. Um, but your overall sort of market footprint would be arguably more, you know, primary market than than what you're investing in right now. Um, do you see you know the, the low interest rates, you know, pulling down cap rates for for the you know the most stable retail properties, like many of which that you own? I'm just wondering how you how you think about your IFRS for value in this environment. Uh, Sam, it's Ken. Maybe I'll just uh, kick kick things off. Um, I would say generally we're seeing valuations for the kind of assets we own uh, to be stable. Um, uh, we haven't seen any significant movements. Obviously, they're not. There haven't been a lot of data points uh, to draw on, but generally. Uh, you know, the, the feedback that we've had and the experience that we've had in the market would suggest that uh, that cap rates have been pretty steady uh, for those kind of assets. Okay, and maybe just one other question. <clears throat> just given, given the volatility, uh, you know, out in the marketplace and, and CT REITs, you know, relative resilience, um, you're putting more capital to work in, in the types of assets that you know best. But you know, given the uh, difference in valuations, at least uh, based on perception, uh, for more multi-tenant uh, retail properties that do require more leasing, um, do you see this potentially as an opportunity to take the REIT into more, uh, uh, more multi-tenant retail uh, and, and reduce the concentration on, on Canadian Tire? Does that, does that at all make sense for the REIT? during the, this time of dislocation? Uh, Sam, you know, certainly when the market is disrupted, as we've seen, it, it, it can create interesting opportunities. I would say in terms of the strategy we're pursuing, we're going to continue on the path that we're on, which is uh, primarily focusing on net lease assets. So the extent to which those kind of net lease assets which fit our criteria that are not Canadian Tire assets, uh, those would certainly be things that we would be looking at, but I don't think you'll see that we'll be diving into you know significant acquisitions in the multi-tenant space. That's great. Thank you, and I'll turn it back. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question is from Himanshu Gupta with Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Thank you, and good morning. Good morning. Uh, just to follow up on the three Canadian Tire uh, you know, stores acquisition from a third party, uh, just wondering how did you identify these properties and how did you agree on a cap rate? And just wondering you know, if these acquisitions were done on an opportunistic basis and did you get any COVID discount on valuation? Uh, hi, I'm Andrew. It's uh, Kevin. Um, so uh, the deal was sourced off-market uh, based on existing relationships that we had with the, uh, the, the, uh, the owner. Um, we had been in discussions with them for some time, actually, uh, even pre, uh, pre-pandemic, um, working towards a, a potential deal. And then obviously when, uh, when this all first uh, hit in the early parts of, uh, uh, I guess, Q2, um, uh, put our pens down in an effort to preserve liquidity. Um, as we uh, kind of went through Q2 in the early parts of Q3 and, uh, uh, you know, with our, our strong operating results and, uh, and, and the resiliency of the portfolio, we decided it was prudent to uh, pick it back up. 
And um, I would say there was a, a slight repricing uh, in the asset, but you know, um, very, very minor, and uh, probably less related to um, uh, the tendency or COVID, and more related to the fact that two of the properties were in Alberta. And since the original discussions, Alberta uh, economy had continued to soften slightly. So, um, all in all, um, pretty much uh, acquired close to pre-pandemic pricing. Um, obviously, we have a lot of data points uh, in terms of buying Canadian Tire stores uh, and Canadian Tire rents more broadly. Um, so we felt very comfortable with the uh, the cap rate, and uh, and uh, uh, are very happy to be, um, I guess, uh, acquiring these properties. Sure. Thank you, Kevin. And uh, then, what is the weighted average lease term on these three uh, acquired properties? And just wondering, you know, given the uncertainty in the market. Is there any attempt to acquire property to perhaps a longer lease term in order to minimize the risk? Sure. I mean, for us, uh, longer is always preferred. Um, you know, the three properties we're acquiring here have a lease term slightly under five years. So that would be on the shorter end of what we would typically uh, look to buy. But we also, uh, I would say, have a high degree of certainty that there are strong performing stores and that uh, there are locations that can entire uh, we'll hopefully want to stay in for uh, for for a longer period. Um, you know, we also bought um, the the property in Yellowknife, um, and there, you know, the third party tenancy, which is a Tim Hortons, had 17 years of term, and uh, you know, the Bendon we did had 15 years. So, uh, typically, we obviously want to go uh, longer and 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 do what we can to uh, extend out our weighted average lease term. But uh, on these ones, we felt uh, pretty comfortable just based on uh, our knowledge of the sites. Got it. Uh, and maybe you know another follow-up there. How's the acquisition pipeline looking going forward? And as you resume, you know, new investments post-COVID, uh, do you think the underwriting criteria will change, or are you looking to avoid certain store types or certain markets, which perhaps have become, you know, a bit weaker due to COVID? Um, so, uh, I mean, the pipeline is, you know. Uh, uh, at this point, I would say still opportunistic. Uh, you know, we're not seeing a lot of stuff uh, being marketed, um, but uh, continue to have a lot of dialogue. I think there's a lot of stuff you can can buy off market right now. So um, stay tuned. Um, in terms of the underwriting criteria, I mean, I think it's actually the, the pandemic has reinforced uh, exactly what we're looking for, which is you know strong covenant, essential needs retail, uh, you know, fundamentally good underlying real estate. Um, and, you know, obviously, as we just discussed, uh, you know, long-term leases. So, um, you know, I think um, on a risk-adjusted basis, we still very much like uh, that space, and, uh, and we're hopeful there will be more opportunities in the coming quarters. Sure. Thank you. And maybe just last question from me on the uh, lease-up on the 11 Dufferin Street in Calgary. Uh, is the format of the property a bit different uh, compared, or, you know, is there anything specific about the property uh, like what has prevented it to be a traditional long-term lease there? Uh, well, the short-term arrangement that we had with um, uh, the party that just vacated uh, was actually supposed to be a, a longer-term uh, uh, lease. Uh, they sort of had a, uh, an option to occupy it for a, a couple months uh, with, you know, and, and were intending to flip it into something longer. It was actually a film production studio. Um, and basically um, when COVID hit, and they couldn't get their actors up from L.A. or wherever they were coming from, uh, they decided to give back the space. So um, it's, a, it's a pretty uh, adaptable 100,000-square-foot uh, space. 
Um, you know, we're still showing it to tenants. We're in discussions with one particular group who's shown some keen interest. Um, you know, our hope is we can materialize, uh, as you say, a longer-term arrangement. Um, but uh, obviously, um, there is some softness in, in Alberta right now. Calgary Industrial seems to be holding up okay, especially in that mid to, to large bay type space. Uh, I think, you know, service or small bay product uh, is a little bit more challenging right now, but that's not what we're dealing with. So um, I think it'll just take time to find, you know, the right occupant, uh, you know, uh, to, and, and, and cut a lease. So uh, I think we're still optimistic we'll have, uh, we'll have somebody in the next, uh, you know, six to 12 months uh, in there and paying rent. Sure. Thank you, guys. I'll, I'll turn it back. Thank you. Our next question is from Jenny Ma with BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Jenny. Morning. Going back to the third-party acquisition, can you tell us about the lease structure and whether or not it differs from the 1.5% annual rent steps that you have for most of the portfolio? Um, sure. So, uh, as I mentioned, the, the weight average lease term is, uh, is just under five years there, Jenny. And uh, it is a flat rent during that time. Okay, thank you. And then with regards to the funding, given that most of it is uh, is being acquired from the third parties, is there any element of units being issued, or should we presume that it's mostly debt financed? Jenny, it's Leslie. We're going to be using cash in the hand and our line of credit to to finance the acquisition. Perfect. Um, and then, Leslie, with regards to the bad debt and CCRA expense, there's just a little bit of a discrepancy that I wanted to figure out. I think the actual provision total was 800K, but in the same property NOI, the difference was, I think it was 923K. Is there, uh, what am I missing between those two numbers? Uh, and nothing, Jenny, just uh, rounding when we uh, are taking the nine-month year-to-date number and what we reported last quarter and this quarter, the, the rounding just uh, rounds perhaps a little bit uh, less uh, ideally than, than it would be. So um, it, 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 no, there is really no difference. Okay, so largely immaterial. Yeah. Um, and then you had said so, you had talked about some same property numbers excluding some items. Could you just repeat those? I missed them when you were speaking initially. Sure, Jenny. I think it was 2.2%. Yeah, the, we had a uh, revenue that we received. We received about $850,000 in Q3 of 2019 um, regarding former tenant and a, a, we sold a CCAA claim. Mm-hmm. And so if I exclude that one, then the um, NOI would have been about 2.2% positive and same-store NOI would have been a positive 0.1%, so uh, a little bit uh, better than what we would have reported. Okay, great. That is all for me. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. Our next question is from Pommy Burr with RBC Capital Mar- Markets. Please go ahead. Thanks, and uh, good morning. Uh, just with respect to these leases on these third-party acquisitions, uh, when they do come up for renewal, is the intent to sort of uh, switch them, I guess, to the structure that you would typically uh, typically do with your um, uh, other Canadian tire leases? Uh, hey, Pommy, it's Kevin. Um, short answer is yes, we would like that. Uh, we'll see if we can achieve it. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's subject to... Uh, to certain contractual uh, provisions that are within the lease uh, already around uh, the rent in the renewal term. And so we'll just have to, uh, um, I guess, uh, negotiate it at the time. 
if not earlier. Yeah. Got it. Um, just for, from an acquisition perspective, um, I guess coming back to the, the commentary there, are you seeing any more opportunities from third parties that you know might be looking to perhaps raise some liquidity? Um, it's Kevin again, Palmy. Uh, short answer is yes. I, I, I think there, there, you know, there, there are a number of um, private and public players out there who had you know disposition programs in place pre-pandemic and obviously have certain commitments to meet and still view uh, capital recycling as uh, an option uh, in, in terms of raising that required capital. Um, but I think you know people uh, aren't looking to, to give away the farm, right? So they're they're happy to sell on market terms, and I think they're deeming market terms to be um, pricing that is, you know, comparatively similar to uh, to pre-pandemic levels for that you know uh, strong covenant that essential needs uh, retail. Um, so I think there is there is stuff out there to be acquired. Um, for us, it's just about measuring uh, risk and uh, and return. So. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're in discussions, as we always have been, with lots of various groups, and, uh, and our hope is, you know, we can find a few more gems like the ones we, uh, we just bought. Uh, great. Thank you for that. Um, just uh, with respect to, I guess, the, the incremental rise in vacancy, you know, keeping in mind it is obviously very modest, but can, can you comment on the releasing prospects for some of that space and also perhaps some color on the drop in occupancy at uh, Canada Square? Sure, Pommy, uh, I'll take that. Um, so you know, about 90% of the 50-bip uh, reduction in occupancy uh, relates to 11 Dufferin. So that's our 100,000-square-foot industrial uh, vacancy that came back to us uh, uh, in the corridor. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, there's, there's some groups that uh, we're in discussions with, so um, I'm not going to repeat myself there, but uh, the balance being uh, really Canada Square, and I would describe... Um, the vacancy there as being purposeful, just in terms of gearing up to, um, you know, uh, be in a position to redevelop the property. Um, obviously, once we have our municipal entitlements in place and uh, and can get at it, uh, in terms of um, the LRT construction being completed and uh, and, and and hopping into, uh, I guess, the first phase of that project. Okay, um, is that pro any further updates on, I guess, the timing of that project or? Um, Pommy, it's Ken. Um, uh, it, just a further comment on, on uh, vacancy, firstly on Canada Square. Uh, we call it uh, deleasing the property. So I'm not sure I've ever come across that term elsewhere, but uh, as Kevin said, it is purposeful to uh, get the property, <clears throat> pardon me, ready for, uh, for development. In terms of a status update, um, Concept design and municipal engagement are uh, are proceeding, and uh, while we can't put a date on it uh, right at this moment, we are expecting a municipal application in the foreseeable future, so uh, the project is proceeding um, pretty much on schedule. Got it. Uh, just last one, you know, just on the back of this, uh, I guess, the new service program, um, what... Uh, do you, do you see bad debt, bad debt, sorry, trending a bit lower, partly as a result of that, than, or any color you can provide uh, in terms of the outlook on that? Uh, Pommy, it's Leslie. Um, uh, yes, you know, we, we do hope that that uh, SERS program, um, when we are provided with a few more details, will help some of the tenants that uh, were previously in the SECRA program and, and help them through. But I think the, you know, the 
the restrictions that are put on and in place, and depending what happened with second and future waves, are also going to have just as much impact on, you know, how, how those tenants perform. But I think until we hear more details about the, the SERS program and, and, um, and see how things are going uh, for those tenants, it, it's hard to tell for sure. But, you know, there, there's some, some tenants are being more impacted than others. So we do hope over time that uh, bad debt sort of continues to, to trickle down, but I'm not expecting that to um, disappear in Q4. Great, thanks very much. I'll turn it back. Thank you. Once again, please press star one at this time if you have a question. Our next question is from Tal Woolley with National Bank. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, everybody. Good morning. morning. <clears throat> uh, just wanted to start with um, uh, Canadian Tire. Uh, do you expect, um, like, over the next year, you are obviously uh, potentially one of the liquidity providers to the corporation. Any chance that we would expect to see maybe a higher number of uh, drop-downs from Canadian Tire? Are there any assets they would still like to move into the REIT um, over the next year? Uh, Tal, it's, uh, it's Ken. Um, there are uh, still assets in Canadian Tire that can uh, be moved into the REIT. I, I, I wouldn't, um, couldn't comment right at this moment uh, whether the pace of that would be different going into the new year or not. Okay. And can you uh, remind me if, like, do many of the individual dealers actually own their own real estate, or is it, like, as part of the structure with Tire, like, they absolutely do not own their own real estate? Like, the dealer will not own the real estate? Yeah, none of the Canadian Tire stores are owned by a dealer. Okay, got it. Um, and uh, just uh, back to the Canada Square project for a second. Um, in terms of the plans that you have, like, is the existing are the existing zoning regulations like sufficient to do what you want to do, or will there be, uh, you know, we have to seek new zoning? And when would we expect to see that application and the ultimate decision? Tell there are, there are existing uh, planning. Um, documents, if you like, that, that uh, apply to the Canada Square property. Um, but having said that, um, and, and, and existing entitlements, having said that, given the size and complexity of the project, uh, there is a process that uh, you'll see beginning to unfold where those entitlements will be uh, further crystallized. So um, more work to come, and uh, I think uh, as I, as I mentioned, I, I think you're going to see an application within the foreseeable future. Okay. Uh, and then finally, I think this last one will just be for Leslie. You have the Series C debentures coming up, uh, I believe, early, or early next year. Um, any thoughts about how uh, you're looking at refinancing those? Sure. Thanks, Tal. The, yeah, the June 1st, $150 million um, of the public debentures do come due. Uh, you know, we're, we're definitely monitoring the, the market right now in terms of, uh, you know, U.S. election, uh, you know, future waves of COVID. But, um, you know, we are actively uh, monitoring and seeing uh, what the opportunities may be um, and are very cognizant of that, uh, you know, pending renewal. But at the same time, um, you know, we, we don't feel a lot of pressure because we have plenty of liquidity on our line of credit and other, um, you know, sources. So uh, there's definitely other backstops. But, um, we will be uh, actively watching and seeing what our options are over the uh, coming weeks and months. Okay, that's great. Thanks, very much. Thanks so much, everybody.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There are no further questions registered at this time. I would like to turn the meeting back over to you, Mr. Silver. Thank you, Operator, and thank you all for joining us today. We expect our fourth quarter results will be released in the second week of February and look forward to speaking to you then. In the meantime, we're wishing you all a safe upcoming holiday season. Thank you. This concludes today's call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.